Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. And welcome back to another day of quarantined Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm having a good day today. Today Wonderful. is a good day. Good, good, good. You look good. I love this. We are not in the same room, uh, dear listener, but we, we are on a FaceTime so we can see all of our faces. Joe's face, my face, and of course our lovely guest for the day, uh, playwright extraordinaire, wonderful writer, human being, and Joe's new best friend in his podcast world on um, uh, MFK Ultimate, the lovely Delia. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hi. Good. Oh, Hi. I'm so happy to see you. I know it's so good to see everyone in their homes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. In in our own in our own little space. In our spaces. own space, six feet. Apart. I like we all have like the same like kind of view. Like I can see a corner in your room, a corner in Joe's room. There's a corner. It's like all angled <laughs> up. It's lovely. It's lovely. We had to create some depth. That's how I look fantastic. <laughs> Shoot no, me I was, up. <laughs> I was just being um, comedically passive aggressive. I actually adore Delia, and so I, uh, I'm so happy that you're finally uh, that you've finally been able to join us. I know. Uh, where has are you? So many co-hosts. I'm actually in my parents' house right now, and my stepdad Remus is a musician, and he has a recording studio, and this is in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking around at a lot of musical equipment that I'm never going to be inclined to use because I'm not musical in any way, but it's nice being surrounded by it. Remus. That's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a nice quiet space. Well lit. Yeah. Well lit. Good acoustics. Good acoustics. Yeah. I was like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I know that you don't own all this electronic shit. (laughs) Girl, I can barely switch on my computer. Of course, I don't own this. <laughs> All right. That's hilarious. Um, shoot. I had another question, and then it left my brain. That drives Dang me nuts. Um, yeah, I hate that. It was something that you were saying, but that's okay. Um, so, wh- how's everybody uh, enjoying this ongoing pandemic, you know? Uh, gosh. <laughs> So far, I've gotten a lot of reading and writing done, so hey, and a boom. lot of organizing of stuff. So, I what um, what kind of what kind of stuff are you writing right now? What are you working on? I am working on let's see, a lot of personal essays, uh, nice. some short stories, some things I'd like to turn into like short episodic YouTube type series. So, oh, cool. yeah. A lot of dialogue work, some film script ideas. Yeah, actually taking like notebooks that are labeled ideas and going ahead and actually working on them. <laughs> that I, I I have the same <laughs> scraps of things everywhere. That's like maybe I should develop this, or maybe I'll just continue to dream and think about what it could be if I developed it and put it in a basket <laughs> labeled ideas. <laughs> Very cool. What about reading? What are you reading? Right now I'm reading Elizabeth Gilbert's City of Girls. It's her new fiction book, and it's about 1940s New York, and it's just so beautiful. 
I just oh. love that time. And it's set in a theater that's kind of falling apart and they put on a show. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I was like, who doesn't love that? <laughs> I'm like looking at Joe's face. I'm like, Joe's right up your alley. Just saying. If he read. If he read. <laughs> So I often, <laughs> I, I don't read, I often get uh, confused or I mix up um, Elizabeth Gilbert and Brene Brown. Oh, okay. They look strikingly often, similar. Yeah, I can I mix see that. them up because I'm just like, you know, white women and like they <laughs> all, all do. We all look the same. We all they, look like, the same. They're like aura is like interchangeable depending on which friend is talking about which which author <laughs> it's like she's amazing life-changing work and i'm like is it elizabeth is it, gilbert uh, or brenna or Brene? it's a just fun like trivia game <laughs> is is it that's my favorite one is it is this uh brie larson allison brie or allison pill <laughs> oh that would be <laughs> that's a, a good one challenge. Yeah. Or Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney as uh I think that was an SNL sketch. <laughs> yes. That's that's that is brilliant, Joe. I think you have something there for the for like another podcast. Trivia. Yes, <laughs> <Right>. exactly. <laughs> Are we talking about it's Dylan McDermott? So that's fine. That's fine. It's good <laughs> to, be, to be open. Room room for lots of people. Lots of exactly. lots of folks, you know, in his hearts. In his heart and on his hard drive. <laughs> in, in my in my in my heart. In my heart. <laughs> Um, yeah, I have been, um, I, I, I hate that we're all like kind of trapped and can't go out and see concerts and do stuff, you know, but obviously want people to stay safe, want people to stay, you know, healthy, obviously, but I am enjoying everybody going like online and doing stuff, you know, doing live shows, Mm -hmm. live classes. I just did a workshop with, um, uh, Lydia Yuknovich, who I was going to say with Elizabeth Gilbert or Brene Brown. (laughs) Lydia Yuknovich, she's the other one. Uh, yes, everybody, the you know, other just, white woman. She writes these incredible uh, pieces of work that are just really just dig down into into the body and into you know living and 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 um, so it was so cool to like just you know take this neat workshop and it was talking about writing like literary like um, uh, narrative helixes, you know, kind of where you have like a, a piece you're writing that has two distinct parts that you weave together. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. I was like, you're going to have to explain. I've been writing a while and still <laughs> shit surprises me. <laughs> yeah, but it's me because I'm also, I've been taking this um, like memoir class, this creative nonfiction class. And so I've been you know trying to find different ways to talk about like my mom and like, and grief and all of that. And, and it was kind of a, an, it put this idea in my head. I want to write this piece about like the mythology of owls and different cultures because my mother loved owls and she collected oh. them. And so I wanted to write about her love of owls, but then like blending it with like these different mythologies and how they're like, and the different ways that I now in hindsight, see why they attracted her. you know for like all these different you know there's different interpretations across the globe of what their meaning is and i was like oh this is such a cool like it has a it has like a name like the narrative helix (laughs) the narrative helix wow that's awesome yeah it was just a really kind of a cool thing very nice i love that idea too of you know i think that's how i got through um, cause 17 years ago, this March, we had two significant family deaths back to back, like nine days apart. And then my brother also was in Iraq and every March, like there's just this kind of like body shutdown that happens because mm. 
it just was such like a visceral, I think in order to protect your psyche, you kind of go to another place and your body is just like, we're in shutdown mode, only essential functions. Like, so it happens like to a lesser degree every year, but the way I got through that time was writing about it. And that's how I learned to write. Like, that's how I learned like how to put feelings into words and there is something so universal, obviously, about grief and love. And so to put that together, like to remember your mom that way is very powerful. Yeah, well, cool, because it gets to be personal and universal at the same time, you know, because everybody yeah. can relate, you know, and the same. I'm so grateful that I had this class because it started, my mother died back in October and this class started in February, you know, so there was mm-hmm. like a few months of just, you know, being in it and now I'm processing a lot and it's yeah. been like this great, great gift. Uh, speaking of, uh, you talked about your brother, um, you wrote a play, Disappearing Act. I did. And it's beautiful. And I'm wondering, is it published anywhere? It is not published anywhere. And I was actually published. I wrote an essay about that time. And that came out in Incoming Sex, Drugs, and Copenhagen, which is published (laughs) and is available on Amazon. And there's a lot of different essays from both veterans and kind of veteran adjacent folk such as myself who went through it, but not in the same way as being like in country. So that's essay has been published and I'm looking at doing something with disappearing act, but it is kind of one of those things. It's almost like, I don't know if I can go back at it. You know, it's just kind of, it's because to get it out the first time was such like, it took a lot. So to go back to it is, yeah, it's going to be significant, but I'd like to get it out there for wider audiences. Definitely. Yeah. If nothing else, just to read, like I would love to read it again because it was just beautiful. And the, and the way it was staged, I really do think that it was well done. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, obviously how people feel about their work and all of that kind of thing, but I just thought it was really well put together. And uh, so, yeah, I wish it was available at least to read because it was beautiful. It was a very, very beautiful work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely shout out to Intermission Productions and Kim Pappas, who directed, and Carla Nell, who produced, and uh, the cast that was a part of it. It was, you know, sitting next to my family and actually watching it happen, like, it just was one of the most surreal moments. And having it well-received by veterans, like, we had a group of veterans that came to watch it, and that was my biggest fear, is that you come off sounding like kind of, I guess, hollow or like just a little bit off in the portrayal of things, but they were definitely like, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. (laughs) Like how like gunfire happens, how it sounds, the reaction of people. So I'm like, okay, well, that was all just me listening to my brother talk about war. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it is amazing. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you're right. able Maybe to get it out there. Light a fire under my ass, <laughs> this pandemic, and your encouragement. <laughs> All right. So, um, what what else is it? Is everybody watched uh, Tiger King yet? <laughs> I have not. Okay. I've not watched that trash. I'll have no. to. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> we talked a little bit. So we, we had we, we had a lot of fun on uh, Friday. We had a happy hour with um, – it was like a horror hound happy hour with uh, the wonderful women of Jersey Ghouls and Mise on Scream along with um, Katie of Mise on Scream's husband, Zach. Um, we had this fun uh, – just online happy hour, which we're going to hopefully do nice. again soon. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so we talked a little bit about uh, Tiger King. So I was curious if people, if others had seen it. So don't, you don't have to watch it, you know, but if you find yourself bored, it, it will suck. You right. In. I mean, I was like, it was like eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. I was like, well, I'll just start watching this. And then we were just, I was stuck all. <laughs> You're like, so that's today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's seven episodes, 45 minutes each. It, they flew by. It was like one o'clock all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, I'm done with that. That was, <laughs> that was quite a ride. And it is. Like every episode, you're like, what the fuck? What? what? That is what, what I've the, heard what by everybody. What so. the fuck? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's like an ode, an ode to like the mediocrity of white people or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very interesting. Mediocre whiteness. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, then what are we watching, Joe? What's going on within your life over there? <laughs> well, I'm still making my way through uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, the original. Uh, oh, that's a, right. Uh, TGIF uh, production. Um, Wait, is that Melissa Joan Hart? Is that who that Melissa is? Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. That's right. What inspired um, you to go back and watch that? Well, I wanted something comforting and mindless. Fair and enough. So, Nailed and it. it, and, it <laughs> and I have to tell you, it does not magical, hold up. Magical. Magical. I want to say magical too. And it does not hold up, guys. It does not hold up. It's it really has a bad. ridiculous puppet cat. And no shame on puppets, but that cat, True, as I remember, like, is like, oof, girl. <laughs> <laughs> our 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 Oof. effects were only that good in like what was it 90 92 90 97 what yeah. Yeah. Oh. it was 96 yeah. it was wow. like 96 when it started but i have to like it's it is like it, it in the parts where it doesn't hold up it really doesn't like there's some transphobic things there's homophobia oh, yeah. misogyny oh. wow like there was a scene where so Hilden, you find all this obvious odd, oddly comforting or like, well no you it was just, just don't just, remember going. <laughs> it's nice to go back and like be like oh there's a scene where hilda and zelda go to like a beauty store in the other realm and it's like run by this like caricatured of a vietnamese nail lady and she's um, all like oh hello you want some more and just like throwing things in their bag being extra pushy and then in the same scene hilda takes a mint that is like no samples is what it says no samples she takes a mint and samples one anyway and she gets turned into a little person and then there's like a little person there and then there's a bunch of and like and i'm like oh my god there's like two horrible things in this in this one scene <laughs> and then the re the recurring character of um roland who is also a little person who's like infatuated with sabrina mm -hmm. and like saying like yeah i live under a bridge and like lots of stuff calling him like a troll like it's bad wow, wow. it's bad but again 
like, but he's still enjoying the rewatch. But oddly comforting. I, I, I can't stop. I can't because like there's also parts where I'm very clear about where I stopped watching. So it's like okay. interesting to start from the beginning, see things that I remember, and then discover episodes that I'd never seen. And like, oh, so that's when they did this, and that informs the narrative in this place and that place, and yeah, oh, so. Yeah. Because okay. I was one of those, like, TGIF kids who, you know, every oh, Friday yeah. night was there in front of the Family TV. Family Matters, Step by yeah. Step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also finished a couple of other shows. I finished AJ and the Queen, finally. Oh. Yeah. Now, what's that about? Right, I was going to say, your voice is like, what? No. <laughs> um, it's RuPaul's show on Netflix. Okay. Where he plays a uh, down on her luck drag queen who's over a hundred thousand dollars gets stolen by a uh, a con artist boyfriend, and oh. she's like on her way, working her way across the country to get some, you know, to earn money back, and somehow has like a stowaway on her trailer of this like little kid named AJ who ends up acting as her bodyguard. Huh, now, okay. this is the most and acting. manager and, like, everything. It's... Everything. <laughs> and this wow. is the most acting that we've seen from RuPaul in ever. Ever. And yeah. I was like, you know what? It's all right. Like, it's not the best. It's not going to get a second season. It ended at season one. It's yeah, not the best. It. But it is. I was like, oh, this is all right. This is a decent show. So... And there were some heartwarming moments with RuPaul where I'm like, oh, my God, I believe you're acting. I believe you're real. <laughs> um, and then the other show I watched was Hentified on Netflix as well. Hentified? I've not seen that one. No. Yeah, so it's um, <laughs> it's a half-hour like sitcom dramedy, I guess. It's about uh, three cousins and their grandfather who uh, operates a mom-and-pop taco shop in Boyle Heights. And it's them struggling to make rent and dealing with the the on the whole ongoing theme is gentrification. And well, how, that sounds delightful. And fun. I know. And, <laughs> and it's it, it, it's it's interesting because it's like it's how do you they're trying to make rent and he's like resisting the grandfather is open to like new ideas if it means that he gets to keep the shop okay. and one of the and one of the grandsons is like trying to train to be like a like a classically trained chef so he's like saying we need to bring in new types of food and have a you know feature taco and this and that and then you have a very queer love story with the granddaughter who is like this artist who's very like chicana chicanex person but like is also benefiting from gentrification, which I thought was really interesting. So like, she's all about like, you know, we need, we're speaking for, I'm speaking for my people, but at the same time, like directly benefiting from gentrifiers, which adds a lot of really interesting depth. Add some uh, layers. Add some layers. I recommend it. I do recommend Hentified. Hentified. Okay. Very cool. They are going to get a second season. We just don't know when. (laughs) Right. Everything's like shut down. Um, I started uh, on Epic's TV. They have a a new adaptation of The War of the Worlds. That's pretty interesting. Uh, So I I would plug that real quick. I watched the first episode and a half last night. Um, It was really late. So I was like, okay, I have to go to sleep now. (laughs) So if you like H.G. Wells, you know, War of the Worlds, uh, very modernized and all that um, appropriate. Oh my gosh, y'all hear Hemlock screaming and yelling? Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Release the Hellcats. 
Yeah, he just wants to come in. He's not going to, you know, he's just going to wander about and then scream to get back out. Um, <laughs> also, I'm a little behind on this, but because we just did the hunt um, uh, on our pre- one of our previous episodes, uh, Sturgill Simpson has like a, um, a cameo in that as a character. And um, he put out a record uh, called Sound and Fury in October that I had heard like one or two tracks uh, of, you know, but I never really sat down and listened to the whole thing. But it was accompanied uh, by a same day release of a Netflix like anime film that the whole record is set to. And I watched the whole thing this morning. It's like 40 minutes. It's great. The music is fantastic. It's this weird like psychedelic country rock blues thing. It's very interesting those are never but, words i imagine go together <laughs> it was it was awesome though i've seen those See, that's like, right up joshua's shit. alley though yeah, yeah i love <laughs> stuff like that so it was really cool and the film was really neat um so something again you know if you are bored <laughs> yeah <what the laughs> want to check something out you know and he's got a sexy voice mr sturgill sturgill simpson okay so it's, it wasn't a bad listen you know the music very interesting yeah yeah right yeah it's a sexy voice and he <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> you did a little shimmy too. That was yeah, awesome. A shimmy. Um, oh, all right. Any, anything else? What else is happening, y'all? What else is going Let's on? See. I got sucked into blob. because uh, since I was watching The Blob this week on Amazon Prime, I got sucked into Jack Ryan. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and like su- like hook line and sinker. Like normally, I'm a person who falls asleep at night while watching TV. Like I can't stay. Like you could not pay me money to stay awake during things. And I am like eyes wide open. Give me more John Krasinski. <laughs> like I am all there for it. And it's kind of terrifying, you know, just how easily money's like changes hands and what you can buy with it and bioweapons and terrorism. It's just super fun stuff. A nice bedtime yeah. story. So is that I, what it's about? I've not seen any of it. Yeah. So he's, it's based off of Tom Clancy's books and a character that he writes. And so this guy, Jack Ryan, who John Krasinski plays is a state department analyst, but he really works for the CIA And he basically, they just kind of track people and the money that is kind of changing hands around the world in different, or, and so if there is something that's a little off, because I guess that's the hallmark of terrorism is like, there's money changing hands with people that it shouldn't be changing hands with. So then he kind of gets involved in this terrorist plot and he uncovers like all of this shit happening that wasn't on like their radar. So just about uh, basically like him flying all over the world and dealing with demons and, you know, all that jazz, being a hero, you know, stuff. Uh, and he, um, yeah, so he's, uh, he's the latest in a long line of Jack Ryan represent or like representatives. Yeah. Was there. Tom Cruise a Jack Ryan? I no, like, he was, was Jack he? Reacher. Jack Reacher. <laughs> Damn it. They're all named Jack. But, um, the, Here like, we have a Steve. Like, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jack Ryan, uh, Alec Baldwin played him in oh, The Hunt for okay. Red October, uh, uh, which is, and, um, Ben Affleck played him in, um, The Sum of All Fears. 
Okay, so it's almost and kind of like a Bond type. It, it, yeah, basically, it's like low rent Bond. It's like your it's like your Kroger version of Bond. You know, Kroger, like, yes, exactly. Um, and I think Harrison Ford played him in Clear and Present Danger. Joe, um, your trivia is on point right now. On I mean, point. I do love a I do love a uh, <laughs> a white man secret agent type. <laughs> Apparently, so. I did also on the um, the Amazon Prime this week watch the movie She Devil. Which... Oh, with Roseanne and Meryl Streep. Oh my god, oh. hilarious! <laughs> it is yes. so good. It is so, like that. Just gave me the giggles the night I it's, watched that. Yeah, it's a mess. It is such a mess, and it's such like Meryl Streep acting in that is just hands down. It's one of my favorite roles she had. Like it's she, like girl needed a paycheck and she took it. She cashed she, she, she cashed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene where they're like in the indoor pool. Yes, in the bubble bath. Like yes. they turn the jacuzzi into a bubble bath. Oh my god. She yeah. just plays so the decadent. best romance novelist. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It is. It's very, very good. So Yeah, it reminds also, me of uh of um, uh, Death Becomes Her, kind of that sort yes. of role. Yes, but also uh, sorry, go ahead. So I've been watching like random commercials, different programs, like, you know, for the last couple of weeks, it kind of like has given me anxiety, like people gathering in a place or like touching. <laughs> has anyone else experienced that watching yes. things? It's like, don't touch them. Like I, <laughs> I keep instead Absolutely. of fright school yelling, don't go down there. I'm like, don't stay six feet back. What are you doing? So. That's yeah. also this week. I just had that jealousy. I'm like watching concerts and stuff. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, you know, it's just, this was going to be a great year with music and concerts. So it's just kind of a bummer. I'm so selfish. I can't help it. I know you're, apple. you're also boring the shit out of your cat. <laughs> just oh, like yawned. That. He's like, yeah. ah, God. <laughs> yeah. he does. Another concert. Ah. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, those are all good, fun picks. So people, you know, hey, tell us what you're watching. Send us, send us suggestions uh, or tell us how wrong Joe was on all of his facts just now, if he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Trivia king. Trivia um, king. <laughs> all righty. Well, um, again, we're, we're here chatting with the delightful Delia, and uh, we are going to be right back with her to discuss 1988's The Blob. That's why I don't have sex. It's not because of my face or my general attitude towards human beings. The thing is that they don't refer to any of these things as murders, which is the most amazing part. It's always referred to as a disappearance. There's fucking blood filling the back of a truck. That was certainly nice of me, wasn't it? Huh? Same set as Catherine. Um, what? Is that really? No, but I would believe it, actually. That wouldn't shock me. I can't imagine that there's a ton of castles that Charles Band has at his disposal. <laughs> that frog is going to bang Roddy Piper. Nope, she's just one horny toad. <laughs> just to love this scream that he's a fucking walrus for so long. He keeps yelling, Kukukachu and shit. Join me and Matt as we discuss some of the worst of horror every week on the Horror Movie Night Podcast. Listen at HMNPodcast.com.
All right, welcome back. We are still here with the uh, lovely Delia and, of course, Joe. And we're going to talk about... <laughs> lovely oh, Joe. That was a read. <laughs> the lovely Joe. The lovely Delia and, of course, Joe. <laughs> of course. Jeez. Uh, I am... I am nobody's side piece. I am the two piece <laughs> and a bit. Okay, I am no one's biscuit. biscuit with honey and butter. <laughs> I am a, I am a leg and the thigh girl. <laughs> Speaking of biscuits, of white milky biscuits, how how is uh, Tidy Whiteykins? Oh uh, yes, uh, you know what? He's doing fine. Good, this is good. this is very like you know we're 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 engaging in a very like Regency era romance of, you know, <laughs> long distance. You're writing each other letters. Exactly. My That's darling. Oh, so nice. Um, he, here's a he, handkerchief sprayed with my cologne. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, it's like, it's, it, it's so funny. Cause like he, you know, we're, we're doing, we're obeying all the orders. We're staying safe. We're, you know, just not going anywhere. And like we like saw each other um, the other day, where he he came over to drop like groceries that he had gave came and brought for the family, and he to drop you know, those groceries, uh-huh. and he like stood it there. Like and... Part of a porn. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, I brought your grocery um... order. Where do you want me to stick them? <laughs> Can I just say that? And so, you know, it was very, it was very nice to like actually just see him. And uh, did you like talk to him through a window or something, or like? How well, we you... like, you know, we kept socially distant, like you know, okay. the, the six feet apart. Um, but I, you know, not to not to pivot the conversation because I'm uncomfortable. But there, are, <laughs> my friends who are single who are still on the apps and things, they're saying that like people are like trying it. <laughs> They are like c- trying to get people to come over and quarantine and chill, and I'm like, girl, ain't nobody got a six foot dick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> not to my knowledge, and I have done the groundwork to verify that. <laughs> yes, I mean oh. it's, just <laughs> and I'm just like, why are people doing this? They need to stop, and especially the gays out there. You know, we we already got blamed for the last big pandemic. We are not trying to get. You know, don't want any part of that. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. I've been hollered at by like every Tinder interaction I've had in the last at least year, and they just went, "What's going on? How's your quarantine going?" I was like, "Oh my god, (laughs) is this going to be a thing now? Like, yes, you're going to try to take off my pants via quarantine? No, not happening. It's going to be a thing." I have an underlying condition of asthma, so I'm not taking the risk. Yeah, I love it. Good. Don't. It's not. It's certainly Don't. not worth it. I, I can also attest to that. Uh, okay, so when we invited Delia on uh, today and asked her to pick a movie, uh, she picked The Blob from 1988. But we decided to watch both, so we will kind of talk a little bit about both. But uh, the focus today was was the the remake. Yes, um, as that as that was that was uh, Delia's choice, like yes. Sophie. Delia. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, and Delia, I this is to show how much I love you. Uh, even though the assignment was eighty eight, I went ahead and watched fifty eight as well, Excellent. which I which I never do. I don't do the extra homework. So, oh, look at for you. you, I did the extra homework. Oh, extra Joe, Joe did the extra credit for Delia. I want to have a robust conversation, especially since we have to be socially distant. So. <laughs> So we are talking about The Blob 1988, uh, directed by Chuck Russell, uh, remake, now that we, we've spoiled that, it is a remake, uh, of a 58 uh, Steve McQueen vehicle. Uh, so this one stars Shawnee Smith, Kevin Dillon, uh, Del Close, uh, and a bunch of other uh, who's that of the 80s. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My mom asked Del- me, she's like, who's in that? I was like, exactly. Right. <laughs> I didn't know Steve McQueen was in the original. You just said you watched it. No, but like I didn't before. know that that was like a wasn't that before. his film debut? Oh, 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 oh. I think that I think it might have been his breakout role, but yeah. it, I don't think it was his first film because I had okay. to IMDb that. I was like, "Is this his first film?" Film? I'm like, "No, it's not technically his first film, but it's like where he kind of he made shined. a name." Star. Yeah, he was he's a star. smoldered. I'm just saying, he smoldered on that. He did. He also was like. The like, he was like twenty eight when he was trying to play like what a high schooler <laughs> a high schooler who looked forty so it's like yeah. back in the day like Greece you know yes. they all have crow's feet it's like I'm a teenager <laughs> I've got teenage problems <laughs> <laughs> no they got like so, yeah. you know we go to, they get the they get like their rheumatoid arthritis in their hands doing the hand drive you know <laughs> just like shaking it out. So, the drive so is actually cruel. just me trying to get passing around back. Ben Gay born <laughs> to hand drive, baby. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so the blob, if you haven't seen the blob, uh, it is about a blob from outer space that eats people. So Joe, we'll start with you. What, what was, what was your, what were your feelings toward the 88 version? I liked it better than from beyond. Okay. So, so from beyond we watched, uh, with Brennan, of uh, the Queer Wolf podcast and from beyond, it gave me a lot of those vibes just like how uh, from beyond and the thing that that's oh, what I definitely. got from him. And I think like of those three, if I had to with along those similar types of effects, um, I put this like slightly, slightly above the thing, but only slightly because it was, it was, it is much more fun. It's more fun than the thing. You it's know, more it's fun than the thing. It's not as like fun. desolate as the right. thing was, um, and I have to say that I did love. I, I love like the, the the parts where that were super campy were very campy and and landed, and um and it was just like I mean it, just to have like your quote unquote final girl with like this rifle, <laughs> just like you know Red Sonia on. <laughs> All of them was really great. So, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, so there you go. I did enjoy it. Will I watch it again? Probably not, but Probably <laughs> I not. did enjoy it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the rewatch. I hadn't seen it for a very, very long time. Um, I also like how I was reading some... Um, 
um, kind of pull quotes from the, um, I don't know if it was Blu-ray or DVD, but they did like a commentary with the directors and stuff. And so they talked about Uh how everybody's like, oh, you know, who's the new Steve McQueen in this film? And they're like, you know, it's set up to be one person. Then it's like Kevin Dillon. uh, But really it's Shawnee Smith. Like if there is one, like she ends up kind of, she's very badass, you know? Oh yeah. She, I I love her. Which I thought that was such a cool choice to have, like, this, like, straight-laced guy that, um, what was his name? Paul. Paul, Like, that she's going on on the date with. And to have him die right away, I did not see that coming. In this horrific way. You yeah, know, he yes. just melted. Because he was supposed to be your like Steve McQueen surrogate, or at least we're supposed yeah. to believe, and then he just goes and get bites it, and I'm like, ew, dang. Yeah. Um, we'll, talk, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I do want to talk about that, like the uh, the differences between the '50s film to deal with like conformity and like nonconformity. Um, but real quick, because excuse me, because Delia chose this. I want to know why. Why, why, why this? Why, <laughs> why, 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 why? Um, this is the first... I'm not a... I guess I should out myself now. I'm not a big horror fan. <laughs> that's okay. We've had that's, others. That's We've the, uh, had other people. You know, no one's perfect. We've. That's the whole point of this show. But this, <laughs> <laughs> the whole point. No one's We're talking it. people into loving horror, you know. <laughs> what I did, because this is the first film I remember watching that truly terrified me. And I oh, watched it with cool. one of my uncles. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, my God, this is... Number one, I was kind of young, I think, at the time to be watching it. But I'm like, it's so... It just struck me as something that had a balance of both terrifying but and grotesque, but also, like, very funny. And so to, like, juxtapose, like, this humor of death and dying, I guess, like, this blob, like, you know, kind of in the realm of terrifying things, like, something that probably shouldn't be that, <laughs> ter- like, you know, a jar of jelly, but... You add, like, this score and you add, like, these different um, kind of plot points. That's why I had to watch the two films because I wanted to see the difference between the two. And there was marked difference (laughs) between the two. But, yeah, I just remember being so, like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, legit scary. But also I'm finding it funny. So that that could be occupied in the same space. I just remember thinking that was interesting as an illegal 11 year old. <laughs> so I love that. No, and that's great. And that's a, that's a fantastic memory. You know, again, here you have your, you said your uncle showed it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, more heirloom, uh, more, um, you know, family passing the horror on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And horror comedy is, I find, I do find a lot of horror comedy to not be, like I, it, it fails on both for me, mm-hmm. you know, but this, I just, I don't know. I, I have really liked this movie since I was a kid. So I was happy that you brought it up because I hadn't seen it for a long time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember why I like this movie. Cause it's just so ridiculous and over the top. And, um, I remember it was funny. I hadn't thought about this in years and then I was rewatching it and I had this really strong memory. I remember that when I, when we were kids, that we had this giant red comforter that was made of like, 
it wasn't micro suede, but it was something like that, you know, and like you could like rub your hand across it and kind of change, you know, how the color would be dark uh-huh. or light or whatever, but it was huge and it kind of had this, it had ripped. And so there was this hole so you could like crawl into it and you could walk around the house and just use a blob. <laughs> awesome yeah and so I hadn't thought about that blanket in years and like sitting and watching this again I was like oh my gosh I remember playing this movie like with because that's what we did we would we would emulate horror films like in our like you know play you know because we were all pretty close in age um the four siblings uh, or the three the three siblings I have and myself and so we would like play games like that and that was that we had this big gross like creepy blanket kind of thing that we could be the blob that was the blob (laughs) yeah 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 so you know you get eaten by it and then you're the blob and you eat something else you know so anyways it brought back a nice it brought back a nice childhood memory (laughs) oh nice that's awesome uh i love i love when joshua brings up like beautiful childhood memories related to horror films I'm being dissolved in acid. We played played the blob. It's like a corrosive, a corrosive substance. And I'm like, this is like, okay. That's like a stomach kind of like, it's like an inside out stomach is how they kind of describe it, you know? So the guy who did the blob, who did the work on it is uh, Lyle Conway, who built the plants for Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. So a lot of, so the puppetry and stuff of that is by that team, uh, which I think is interesting. When you watch it, there's even, like, there's stuff that reminds me a lot of Little Shop of Horrors, just in the way it's, like, set up, like the tentacles and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and the way it's filmed, especially in the um, uncut version with, the, like, just the, the way it's kind of, uh, you know, sometimes you could tell in the film how it's, like, sort of stuck in, <laughs> in there. Uh-huh. It's got some of that kind of vibe going on, like a Little Shop does. Well, and that was the interesting thing between the two monsters, quote unquote, between the 58 and the 88 version was the 58 blob was just like, I was kind of explaining it to somebody as like, if snot and a fruit roll up had a baby, like it just was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was like, just like this oozing thing. And the 88 blob, like, obviously like had it out for people. And the 58 was just kind of like, oh, we're going to roll over here, and then we're going to roll over here. We're going to see what's over here. (laughs) But, like, the 88 had, like, tentacles and was, like, reaching for people and just, I mean, it was a blob on a mission. So I thought that was definitely interesting. It added more of kind of a terror aspect. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it was gross. You know, it's just so, so gross. You know, how it melts Paul, and then it grabs that kid later. And I remember, like, I think that's one of the, probably the earliest horror films that I saw where like a child died in like a really grotesque manner. Yeah. You know, so, so fun. So fun. (laughs) It could get anybody. It can eat anybody. Dying in a grotesque manner. Yes. Yes. It being dissolved. Um, where she puts his arm off of the thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, I was like, man, I wish Joe, I really am sad that we didn't get to see this together. Cause they're just, you know, part of the joys of doing this show is watching Joe's face when stuff happens. Like I, I needed <laughs> filming and that, like I needed a, a little video of like the arm. Cause I could just see Joe. Ah! <laughs> Rips his arm. I, I was, I was more, I, when I, so I texted Joshua when I was watching it and the part that I texted him at was when they're parking in like their lover's lane and she looks like she's passed out. Well, first of all, he like, like laces her drink and then, Mm -hmm. and then like she's passed out and, and he's like, 
going to like take advantage of her and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) wild wild which kind of because that's um what's her name erica alaniac is that how you say her name? Alaniac? Sure. She's playing Vicky in that scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, Erica. Why she is every in... that girl named Vicky? I feel like that <laughs> yeah. is the Vicky character. Or Chrissy or something or like that, you know? Something me. <laughs> but, like, I was like, ooh, that's, like, not not a good look. And then, you know, the whole stuff in the pharmacy with, like, the condoms and all of that. And then... You know, and and just I, I love this film too because like the only like eighties character actor that we were missing was Edie McClure. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like we had like Jeffrey DeMunn who would end up being he was he would be in uh, season two of The Walking Dead. Um, we had Art Lafleur who is like you know he was fucking Babe Ruth in uh, The Sandlot. Um, Paul McCrane, who plays the deputy, he's um, Dr. Romano on ER for a number of seasons. And then, oh, of course, uh, that guy is from. Yes, he was like, he's just bald and, you know, he has yes. missing an arm. Oh, my um, Joe Seneca, who um, plays the like, uh, who plays the doctor who is in charge of quarantining the town, he was in Crossroads with Jerry, with uh, Jamie Gertz and Ralph Macchio as like a blues guy. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, Del Close, which Joshua mentioned, who is like this huge figure in improvisational comedy, yeah. like basically. Oh, really? Yeah, he, like, basically invented, like, the Herald method, and, you know, he he's a huge... I was like, Del Close, I've heard this name before, and then when I went to go read about him, yeah. Um, so it's so fascinating to see, like, all of these, you know, for, at the time, what would have been, like, names, 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 names. Uh, and I was like, where is Edie McClure? Is she just gonna pop out as, like, the proprietress of the theater or something? But then the people <laughs> behind it, like, you know... Um... Frank Darabont, like, wrote it. He wrote um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, which we are going to do. We're going to do that on an upcoming episode. Um, We're going to eventually get through all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, just for fun. Um, But but he also directed The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and The Mist. Like, he's just, I mean, there's so, there's a lot of people on here that would be, like, you know, major figures in like you know horror to come you know that were just kind of getting their start or or at least this was kind of a big film that they were working on um yeah the thing about the pharmacy i saw that was one of the things on the uh, it was like 22 things we learned from listening to the commentary was that that whole scene was based on something that actually happened to one of the people involved in the production of um discover the girl's father the father was the pharmacist uh, uh, you know, okay. that, 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 that happened to, um, who oh. is it that he said? Russell. So Chuck Russell, the uh, director oh. is, uh, that happened to him. <laughs> so fun. I, but I mean, I don't know in what way, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. was he actually trying to, you know, cause gross, but anyways. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> one second. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. The, the cats, the, the cats, the cats are still there. <laughs> The kidder they want they just they want in and they want out so what uh, so some some things to talk about then with uh with the film um 
like, you know, analysis. What is it about? Uh, the original gets a lot of communism readings and talking about, like, um, as we've talked about with uh, The Thing from Another World and kind of those early sci-fi films of the 50s about invasion anxiety, uh, you know, and communism coming for us or some other country bombing us and taking us over. And this the newer film is um, much more... It's more about conspiracy and the government being a villain. So something that, you know, in 30 years, this sort of change from like, you know, we got to keep, you know, um, order and keep like the American way of life and blonde, blue eyed, you know, happy, happy times away from, you know, these, these socialists and these communists that are going to take this from us uh, to like, oh, the government is creating uh, evil monsters to eat townspeople. <laughs> 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 it's like this major shift, you know, in thinking, yeah. you know, in, in, in the Re the era of Reaganomics and all of this. Uh, so curious what we think of those, of those, uh, <laughs> of those things, just throwing those out. That's some of the, some of the fun stuff, uh, I, I found that we were, uh, that I sent, I sent, you know, there were a couple of articles, why the blob is one of the best horror remakes ever, uh, which I do agree that it's, it's really yeah. fun. It's a good, it's a good remake. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, you know, and then there was another one, um, the blob versus the blob. <laughs> so 58 versus uh, 80. Yeah. Well, what I found fascinating in the original was the, um, it was almost because I'm like, is this supposed to be like a horror movie? Because the op the theme song for it <laughs> <laughs> was, I guess, composed by Burt Bacharach, and I'm like, that sounds like a Burt, and it's just so jazzy, and you just, yeah. and I'm like, am I supposed? <laughs> like, are you lulling me into a false sense of security, or <laughs> it made you want to do like, you know, like a. <laughs> Definitely like, like a, a swing. Like a I'm like, I'm definitely at a party. Like the blob sounds like a really <laughs> happening guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what I found fascinating about that movie was the the kind of young versus old. So, like you know, this obviously occurs. Like a young person witnesses it, and they spend the entire movie trying to convince this police department that are like, we'll just take care of it tomorrow. <laughs> like, they Scarlett O'Hara that problem, like to it just growing exponentially. And I was like, wow. why the ignoring of it? Like why the, this kind of just innate distrust between generations. So I didn't like, I mean, I read the articles that you sent, but like, I didn't see, I guess I've seen other things that are very much more communist invading bent. And this just kind of seemed more like generational, like this struggle of like, just pay attention to me. Like I have something to say, I have ideas. And well, that kind of like, tracks. We'll I, take yeah. care of it tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I don't mean to, no, I don't ahead. mean to interrupt women. Get in there. Um, <laughs> Would you like to mansplain something to me? That'd be great. Well, no, I was gonna. I was actually going to support and uplift you. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I want. Can you please compose a song? Support. <laughs> I'll do it to the theme of. Uh, Wind uh, beneath my wings. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but that's interesting, right? So you 
I, I'm, it's very interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Delia, about the idea of like the generational conflict of like young people versus older people because three years, so three years prior to, um, prior to uh, 1958's Blob, we have in 1955 a, a social commentary film called Blackboard Jungle that comes out, which is a film about teachers and in an interracial inner school. Um, Sidney Poitier is in it. <laughs> Um, and it's credited Blasty, as being one Blasty. of, and Great it's credited as one of, um, <laughs> being one of the films that kind of kicked off this, uh, this emerging kind of youth culture and what youth culture is. So prior to this, like the youth, there is no youth culture, there's adults and then that's it. Like all culture is for adult people. And yeah. then you have subsequently you have blackboard jungle and then like as uh teenagers as boomers children grow up right we have those that being the beginnings of like emerging youth culture and you have like rebel without a cause and all of these things where like misunderstood youth so it 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 totally tracks in my mind of like that um because who's going out to like watch these films in a drive-in i mean my first uh any knowing anything about the blob was seeing it in the background of greece <laughs> The movie Grease when they're oh, at the drive-in. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they're that's watching neat. the Blob in the as that's going on. So I'm just like, oh, okay. Um, and it's so interesting in that regard. So to have this, to see it from a lens of like youth culture in terms of you know the choosing to. Uh, which always, which plays a lot into a lot of films is like choosing to disregard the warnings of children, even though, because supposedly the adults know better. Yeah. And those are, then that's always been my favorite, one of my favorite tropes in media is because it's like, well, maybe as someone who was, you know, for a long time, one of the youngers <laughs> trying to, you know, <laughs> wait, shake a fist at, at the olds, quote unquote. <laughs> Like, it just makes, it makes total sense. And then, you know, you apply that to the current circumstance that we're all finding ourselves in, where it's like this, you know, we're trying very hard to, like, tell people to, like, stay inside. And, you know, it's like generation, the different generations are are at war with each other almost on a daily basis where it's like millennial children telling their boomer parents to stay home and Gen Z's out and like having spring break in Florida and all that stuff. So, (laughs) so to see this from, to see 1958's, uh, 1958's blob as a, um, as a, as a function of like youth culture is very interesting. So thank you for bringing that up, Delia. Oh, you're welcome, Joe. Anytime. (laughs) I, and I, I agree. I, you know, I don't think that they really set up. And I think the director even said by using that kind of funny, silly song at the beginning, it's like, this isn't a horror film. Like, we're having fun. It's supposed to be campy. It's supposed to be silly. Um, you know, and then it was a big hit. It made a ton of money. And Steve McQueen probably kicked himself all the way to the bank for not taking the original deal. <laughs> of, of, um, oh, my God. I know, love him. <laughs> this is her now. Now she's Oh, her. her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, I love these cats. She's like, but yeah, he me. pardon me. I know, right? He didn't think it was going to be, uh, Steve McQueen didn't think it was going to be a hit, you know? So then it went off and made, you know, $4 million or something at the time. It was a huge, uh, huge take. Uh, yeah. $4 million on a $110,000 budget. And uh, so, 
And you know what's weird about, like, the campiness of it? It's never, like, the acting in it is so, one of the articles explained it as wooden. And it was so, like, serious. And it's like, so is this supposed to be fun? Like, it's almost like you're afraid to be, like, laughing at it because everyone is taking it so seriously. It's 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 got like a slowness to it too. Like there's there's that scene where they run to the people's house and like the guy's talking. I don't know. I wish I would have written down what he was saying because it just takes forever. It's like there's something happening. There's something happening. There's something happening out there. Is there something <laughs> happening? Something's going on. And it just goes on. Like the whole movie's like that, you know. So yeah. I I don't know. I think it, it functions. It like that's why it works is because you know. I mean, again, I I think it could use some editing because of that kind of the 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 length of time that it takes. Even though the movie's not that long, it just feels longer than it is in moments because it's like, yes. oh my gosh, yes, something is something's happening. happening. <laughs> yeah. We all agree. Let's do something about the something that's happening. The gag where like the the civil defense air horn is going on. The guy goes to put his hat on, and then the, it's like that. That's the fire truck, and he puts his. I don't know how to dress for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that they all like congregated in like a specific place of people like honking horns. And so I'm like, Steve McQueen. How small they is all this knew town. <laughs> they all knew to go to that to like that little hardware that store wherever he was. Supermarket. And yeah. I just love like the scene. I was, like, just beside myself, church giggling about this. When the blob envelops the diner and they're in the basement and their demise is certain. And outside, like, the fire chief and the police, like, the head of police, like, are staring at the diner. And they're just like, well, they're going to die. <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, not even any, like, Russian to save them. Like, nothing, like, you know. I I was just flummoxed by, like, yep, that's happening right now. They are. They're going to do. That's going to happen. They're going to die. Yeah. Those those are some good kids, you know. Those are some good good kids. Good kids. They're going to (laughs) die. But, you know. So I, I, I do like that reading. Again, I think that because of, like, the time frame and, you know, a lot of invasion movies get that sort of read just because of the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that makes sense that this is kind of more about, like, that generational distrust that was very prominent and you see in a lot of films of, of that time and you see within a lot of, like, documentaries of the time or people talking about that time of, like, you know, this things were changing so rapidly for young people and uh, creating that their own distinct lives away from their family. I mean, you know, we were seeing more and more, um, you know, music and films and things being made and directed at young people in a way that had never happened before. So I really, I I like that reading. Um, So then into the 88 version, we've kind of, we've dropped, uh, I I think, I think having the Paul character die so early is kind of a a real, um, like, yeah, this guy's not going to save the day this time. <laughs> like, yeah. We need the punk yeah. rocker on the motorcycle with the long hair. And like he's, you know, so it's a it's a very di- different take, obviously. And something that speaks more to, I think, the 80s and 80s culture. And, um, you know, films like The Lost Boys. And you're getting more of this, mm. like, you know, punk rock kind of aesthetic. More of an anti-hero than, like, the Letterman jacket. Like Exactly. Hero. 
Yeah. yeah, precisely. And to fight something that's different because this movie, you know, misdirects in the sense that you – we see it land, you know, the same old dude comes out and finds the blob. and Poking know, she, it with a stick. We've been doing it, it for millennia I mean, apparently. <laughs> it is it, – that is the way that you do things. When you find an <laughs> alien, Delia, you are going to – you're just going gonna... to feel – I'm going to suddenly, there's going to be a stick to my right yeah. and I'm going to grab it. <laughs> yeah. It'll just, and it'll I'm gonna be have your to poke first thought. <laughs> uh, what is this? Um, <laughs> and, you know, so we think it's the same story, you know, that, mm-hmm. hey, it's, a, you know, it's an alien, it's landed on here and it's fucking vicious and hungry. And then towards, you know, the, you know, end of the film or about midway through or so you find out, Oh no, the government made this and has fucked it up. Like they do everything in the cynical realm of the eighties that we're living in within this film. Um, And they've decided that this town is expendable and fuck all these people. And I love how there's not, there aren't many people of color in this film at all. And the, the, the main black gentleman (laughs) is the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck all these people. Fuck all of them. They're expendable. I'm like, wow. Wow. See, great. if they were to remake this now, it would be Samuel L. Jackson and it'd be like, fuck you, Whitey. Like, that's what it would have been. <laughs> Which you know, we can read it that way. It's like, hey, they thought our lives are expendable. These motherfuckers are expendable. Let the blob eat them. Small yeah. town America, fuck them. Yeah. They're racists, anyways. No. <laughs> Just take them off the map. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the message that sends that the government is represented, interestingly enough, here by this, this black man who's like, ah. Meh. <laughs> Save our weapon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just (laughs) found that interesting. (laughs) And then subsequently the, the, the person who like has the equipment with which to save everybody um, is another black gentleman with a truck (laughs) with the, with, yeah, with the, um, the ice truck. That is true with his uh, CO2 or whatever it is that the nitrogen, uh, liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I failed at science. At science. <laughs> yeah, this, I'm not girl, you and me both. I'm like, it's a giant <laughs> truck of ice, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's so it's so fascinating because it's like it it it's it pokes it, it not pokes fun, but like it it instills that kind of distrust of institutions that was so prevalent in 80s culture by by making the government be ultimately at fault for everything that's happening, but also um, at the end, religion also being the undoing as well. Yes. Yeah, that he has the control. He's like weaponized this thing, you know, or may in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May in the future. And um, like also his entire, like he's this like, you know, kind of like fiery brimstone backwoods preacher, but like everyone in that tent is black. Like they're yeah, all people of color. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Hmm. <laughs> and it Sorry, I just love what I've I love found. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead, Delia. I know. Sorry, I can't. I, you can't. Like you know, they're just they're sick of being quarantined too. <laughs> yeah, they are. But the kind of immediate when you have an entity like the government or the military, how you can like set it up to be this kind of big monster because it is just like a conglomerate and Mm -hmm. how you can immediately. And I think this filmmakers did a great job in distinguishing like the us versus them. Like they show up in the white hazmat suits 
And so immediately, like, you have this, like, entity, even though you don't have to say, like, it's the government, like, you know, like, that's part of the issue or that's part of, you know, this is clearly like an us versus them. We saw E.T. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we know what's going down now. The visual uh, language of it, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I just – and. Also, like, the opening credits of the 88 block. Like, I just felt like that did such a service because I'm like, God, there was none of that in, like, I think just 50s and 60s movies in general, like, the way credits rolled out. Because in the 88, like, you look like you're going into, like, a desolate town anyway. And then to find out everyone's at a football game. And, you know, everyone kind of floods back into the town after that, like, slice of Americana is over. So, yeah. but it sets it up as, like, oh, this town's empty anyway. So, pff, who cares? <laughs> like, it can be knocked down and start again. But it's like, oh, the vibrancy is at the football field. And to change it from, like, what, Pennsylvania to California, right? Like mm-hmm. to have that to have that change of location uh, be also just because again you can't have a you can't just have um, any movie with like a rebel like that take place and you know it has to take place in California we have to <laughs> capitalize yes. on surf culture um, yeah it was so it was it was it, it was definitely I have to agree I did read the article that Joshua, um, <laughs> Joshua I know I tried said. to do my homework. <laughs> Um, (laughs) just things to think about you know and and i do think that this is like this is right up there with the ring as as far as remakes go um for me because the ring the ring is still my number one just because of how they were able to tell the similar story but also adapt it to culture because it had the it had the added layer of like being two different cultures and not Mm -hmm. Um, and not so far removed in um, in time, the two the the two different films, Ringu and, and Ring, and with this one, it's just like it's you know thirty years later from thirty years later after the release of the original, it's still in Cold War times towards the end, but they didn't know that at the time. Still in Cold War times, and it's so and just to see also like tech, technology wise to see how it. Um, see what they were able to do and all the restrictions on censorship that were lifted in just that 30 year period was interesting. And the version that they have on Amazon is the criterion collection for the 58 version. And so it, it looks the blob in that one looks almost exactly identical to the blob that's in 88, like the color and, and everything. So I thought that that was really cool to see, um, to see how those still kind of were true to each other. Um, I agree. But, yeah. 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 But, but to yeah, have but just it, with that. exactly. And to have it speak to that particular time, um, which will be interesting when we go, when, you know, when we finally get to see uh, the Candyman remake that's coming out, hopefully knock on wood later this year um, to see how it speaks to um, similar, but also more modern, um, more modern issues. But the same issue, that's the thing, you know, like yeah. you bring up the Cold War and our anxieties around that, our invasion anxieties, our, our you know, feeling threatened, our culture feeling threatened and how, how we're on two ends of the spectrum with it and how much like the cynicism or, or how much um, um, 
awareness of you know we're kind of pawns like i like like what um dealer what you were talking about the government it's interesting that the government is also a blob you know it's this amorphous entity that we don't really quite we don't trust we don't know its motivations you know in, within film you know it's always yeah. it's always that kind of thing where it's where it's moving and so it, it's interesting to see that the change, you know, this, the, the cynicism or the more of awareness of like, well, the government's going to do what it's going to do in that 30 years. And I think with Candyman, you know, the, the film coming out in the early nineties and sort of our awareness around um, issues of race then and where we are now, as you know, the conversation will be very interesting to compare, you know, that, that sort of uh, that dynamic. And I think that's what we, we had the opportunity to do that with the blob and, and cold war you know, uh, propaganda as you will. Uh, so I think that's a great point. <laughs> this, look at this, this like deep conversation we're having about a blob. <laughs> well, and it's interesting then too, like going back to invasion anxieties and what's happening now in our culture mm -hmm. and a virus invading us. Right. And how we don't Absolutely. have like a specific, I mean, the blob obviously was an entity kind of like swallowing people up. But now we have this like invisible invader, which I would imagine is its own umbrella of invasion anxiety is that you have this thing that you don't know if you're infected, you don't know, like, you know, who's infected or what the, pro you just kind of like, there's just a heightened then anxiety around basically like something you can't control. No, like, a thousand like, percent. Figure out how to like fight it. Yeah, and we're seeing with social media all the same things. You know, we're seeing people come up, oh, the government made this. Oh, it's coming from China, which is, you know, its own form of anxiety and its own mm -hmm. form of, like, another place creating something to destroy us all. Or, you know, the government has created this or some evil scientist has created this. Or, oh, no, it came from the gays. It came from, you know, like, because we're being blamed for COVID-19 as well. Um, you know, evil. so it's... Asian scientist gaze. That's what's exactly. happening here. That's what's happening. <laughs> uh, there absolutely. is a gay Asian scientist that works for our government <laughs> who does not feel safe right now. Right. Sorry, you're, you're that right. one guy. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just, you know, it's interesting to see how that our fear, how we react, you know, and how we respond to things. is It doesn't change much. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. But then it, it also has managed to completely upend our culture. Like a hundred percent, like yep. it's a complete 180, like how we are tasked to do things differently now. So, you know, that like, well, here we are all the final girl <laughs> who are surviving, <laughs> but like, you know, you have to find, so then it's like, why do we have all of this anxiety to begin with? If like, we're fighting something in real time. You know what I mean? Like, why do, like, we kind of, like, get anxious about not nothing. Like, clearly it's a thing. But I think we build it up so much in our mind when it's like, well, here we are yeah. dealing with it. Like, Well, because it's still unknown. We don't have a definitive, yeah. you know, like, there's no answer. And that's the thing. And we might not get one. You know, we might not, um, you know ever know so i think that's that's always i think where that anxiety comes from it, it's all rooted in that in fear of the unknown in fear of death you know we're we're very 
we are not a morbid creature together. You know, we're not, we, we, we like to focus on youth. We like to focus on life. We like to focus on um, living and we do, we get up every day as if we're going to live forever. And we do things that we plan, you know, we make plans as if we know really what tomorrow will bring. You know, I spent, I don't know how much money on concerts, my whole calendar for March, every single week I had a show and it's like, fuck you you know and it's like (laughs) all of that is gone you know what i mean and that's just my one little tiny calendar of of things in in a sea of millions of people who made plans and plan to go places and do things and see people and now it's like yeah fuck you you know so it's just yeah the anxiety of having our entire like way of life that is built um the other thing i was going to say about this film it also made me think the blob is like sort of that conformity and um, like within the eighties, this age of excess of want of need of crave of, I have to have, um, yeah. you know, that our, our whole world is built on that. And that's all pulled out from under us now. You know, we can't buy anything. We can't get anything delivered. We can't, or, you know, all the things that we've been taught to, to, to want to do and to have those serotonin, you know, dopamine, whatever, you know, it, it, um, payoffs yeah. is all is gone, and so it's like sit at home and read or do or watch TV. I think it's very anxiety inducing for people. Well, yeah, because I think we have this built in busyness with jobs mm. and hobbies, and like we never have to like actually sit with ourselves. Yeah. And I think this is now causing like this other horror of like. Oh shit, like now I have to actually like be present yeah, with this myself. Existential dread. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like everyone's like having a dark night of the soul simultaneously. It's like, oh yeah. boy. Can I just be with myself? No. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, if if we're gonna go there, right? If we're gonna get real and go there, um let's go there, girl. Like, you know, I've been in this new yeah, budding some people got to do. They can listen to this go on for three hours. I've been, you know, <laughs> Sorry, navigating this um new relationship that you know that I find myself in and it's been very interesting to have to um to have to navigate this as well um and having gone from like seeing him every week every almost every day for the last you know few months to um not being physically present you know is very difficult and it's very um it's been very difficult and it's been um interesting but it's also like it's it's one of those things where it's like okay well we you know this is something that we know we have to do and we're um you know it's forcing i think it's forcing people to really kind of define what um the important parts of their life are when you have to um when you are being told and the safest thing you can do is to you know stay put and and just only see the and you know virtually see people or all that it really kind of you know taking uh, taking that time to use the anxiety to kind of refocus and say okay well i know that these things are the things that are important to me now um which is you know has been an interesting exercise for me as someone who is like very anxious so <laughs> you know <laughs> to to kind of reframe it in that way um 
But yeah, I mean, I, as a person who is like out almost every night, um, you know, doing something, working my trivia job or, you know, spending time seeing people being a, being that extrovert who like is recharged by seeing people. Mm -hmm. Um, this has been very, um, this has been a different way to deal with that. And, and, you know, also allowing people to have grace with others in terms of like, you know, oh, you know, I reach out to the people that I reach out to, but I also make space when people reach out to me, even if I've not, um, even if I've not, um, uh, reached out to them first, just because it's like, if you're, you're reaching out because you're looking for something, you're trying to make, make that connection. I'm going to be there, but it's been interesting to see, to see those things play out as well. Um, and on a, on a kind of like, you know, on a gay bitch petty note, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting because like when people try to make plans with you to do like a virtual happy hour or to like watch a thing together or just to talk or whatever, it's interesting because it's like no one should be going anywhere. So it's like, oh, I can't make that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, what are you, <laughs> what, what bitch, are what you are doing? <laughs> I almost want to be like, what the hell are you doing <laughs> that you can't make this, that you can't do this? Yeah. and um, I just didn't I, want to hang with you. Sorry. Yeah, Joe. exactly. I still no. just don't want to hang out. <laughs> well, you know, it's just <laughs> so funny. Even though I have all the time and technological capability, I still just don't want to see your ass. That's it. Yeah. And like seeing and people being very honest about like the boundaries that they have. So like, you know, I was, I was trying to meet up, I was interested in meeting up with some friends with, from work and saying like, Hey, who's going to do this? You know, is anyone going to be on this zoom call? Um, you know, on this day. And someone was like, you know, I've spent a lot of most of my days these days are like zooming with people and being in front of screens and like needing to get away from that. And it's so interesting because it's like, okay, well, I, as someone who's this extrovert, I need to see people. So I only can do that in front of a screen and trying to like, you know, navigate all of that too. So, you know, we'll, (laughs) we will, um, we'll see how it goes with, you know, again, this is, this has been your COVID takeover of the podcast. (laughs) Um, I think it's fair points though. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, because we're all in it together. Like, I think that's been the interesting thing. It's not just affecting one segment of the population. It's not just affecting old and young. It's affecting all of us and how we live and work and how we share space and um, especially like relationship wise. Like, I can't even imagine like being in a new relationship and having that like distance automatically enacted when such like a huge part of that beginning is the newness of like being in physical contact with somebody. And then to have that be like, I'm going to like press my hand against the glass and you're going to press your hand against the glass and we're just going to like share a moment (laughs) and that's, and leave my groceries and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, that's been, you know, again, we'll, you know, we'll hopefully one day we'll look back on this and, you know, with fond memories of, and, you know, romanticize it more than it was and, you know, completely (laughs) gloss over. We're definitely good at that. Yeah, and completely gloss over about how, like, you know, utterly devastating it is to the psyche. But, um, 
Yeah, it's it, that's been an interesting in thing, but I've I've also like you know I like the idea that I'm spending all this time like I'm I'm at home with my parents, so I'm like spending yeah. all this time with them, and you know trying to still navigate things around you know all of that, and yeah, it's been it's been an interesting it's been an interesting time. Um, I didn't mean to take over. <laughs> No, by all means. No, all great great. points. Um, And I think it's good for people to have that commiseration, you know, and to know like, hey, this isn't easy for everybody. Like, you know, some of, like I actually really kind of, well, I still have to go to work. So, because I work for, you know, as an extension of the hospital. So we're all still going to work. So I, you know, part of me is very jealous because we had Friday off for Cesar Chavez and I'm like, oh, awesome. Because I just laid around and watched TV and I've been reading and I've been catching up on all this stuff because I can't go anywhere, can't do anything. Nobody can come over. So there's no real distraction to like focus on reading and writing and doing things. And I'm like, gosh, this is really nice. I probably could do this for a week. I couldn't do it for a month though. (laughs) So I I do think people that have been, I mean, gosh, how long has this gone on now? I think somebody said they've been in their house since the 12th. So 18 days. Yeah, I was laid off on that. I haven't, Nevada's different. Like we haven't been like, we haven't had a shelter in place order or anything. But like in effect, because all the bars are shut down, all gaming is shut down, all like, so we have like supermarkets open and that's about it. And also contractors, there's some interesting like essential businesses and that's been fascinating learning what essential and non-essential businesses is because my roots would like to say that hairdressing is an essential business yet (laughs) the state of Nevada is like, no, no girl, non-essential. We're going to leave the weed store open. (laughs) (laughs) Exact. Cannabis, essential business. Um, but it's just I'll interesting that I'll keep the roots, I guess. Let me get high. Eighties. It's in. It's in time. With I know. Our, it's with in our... time with our discussion of the blob. Um, but I was laid off on the thirteenth, I think, of March, Friday the thirteenth, and they, in effect, that whole next week, shut everything down, like the wow. entire. St- they had one case of coronavirus, I think, at the Mirage, and after that, like, I mean, it happened quick yeah. so wow. yeah well if it was gonna happen it was gonna be everybody had to make that you know we had they had oh, to all probably yeah. be on board well and i think that's why we have a lower we don't have as many cases as we could have if we kept the casinos open longer oh yeah but i, I think definitely the writing was on the wall with that that they're like shut it down shut yeah. it down so. well yeah and that is tough because that is very you know different uh, place to be in, you know, like I said, like we still, uh, you know, because of my type of employment, you know, I still have a job and I don't have to worry about the concerns of that. So, you know, I hope that things return to normal soon so people can go back to, you know, or at least having, um, cause that's a different kind of anxiety, obviously, you know, yeah. it's one thing to be like, Oh, I have to be at home. It's another thing to be like, Oh, I'm home, but I also can't make money or I can't do this or I can't do that, you know? So yeah. that's a whole other level. So uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, but so many, I mean, yeah. we're all kind of in it. So I mean, yeah. it's not like there's, it's just affecting certain people, but it is, I was talking yeah. with a friend this morning about <clears throat> in like the grief of things, not 
taking place, like not being able to go to concerts, not being able to like, like I know friends who have their kids, it's their senior year and they're not going to be able to graduate Um, or take part in all those like bullshit things you do your senior year, which seems so important at the time. But then looking back, you're like, right. Um, But to not to have that taken away and to be able to, or to be able to kind of pivot and do things creatively to like be able to take up that slack of like okay i'm missing this but i can do this in its place so yeah i've been kind of overwhelmed with like god like people are really like you know singing happy birthday to people from the street and neighbors having happy hour at their trash cans (laughs) and like staying six feet apart like i mean it's just people are finding like creative ways to still connect yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, that's us as humans. We're always going to find some way because we're all social animals to connect. Yes, that has been the good, um, the good, one of the good things to come out of this is just a reminder, like we are not, we are not uh, the monsters that our media sells us. You know, we're, no. we're actually pretty cool in a lot of ways. And there's been a lot of really cool stuff to come out of that. So, well, I think that is a good place to to, to wrap that up because that is that's a nice thought. You know, people, we're better than we than we like to think we are. Yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. keep that. Let's keep that going. Um, I uh, this has been a delight. So again, you can uh, you can uh, follow Delia's exploits with Joe on MFK Ultimate. I, why do I keep I keep wanting to call it Ultra? And I don't Me know. Me too. That's <laughs> so like... weird. Yeah, I'm like I, I almost did it again. <laughs> I I didn't want to say ultra because it has like a military like assassin <laughs> type of you know okay. like you know kind ultimate of connotation. Ultimate has like a more American gladiator. Exactly. Ultra. Yeah. <laughs> ultimate. Uh, but MFK Ultimate on all the streaming platforms uh, or all the podcasting platforms. I'm sure um, where wherever you find. Fright School, you'll be able to find MFK Ultimate. Uh, Delay, this has been a delight. Thank you so much. We, I hope that you'll come back and I would uh, love chat with to. us again. Yes. This was so <laughs> and, much fun. Yeah, this, is, this has been very, very fun. Um, I highly recommend, uh, dear listener, that you go to the Jersey Ghoul um, Facebook page. Um, actually, it might also be on Fright School's page. But rewatch our um, Horror Hound Happy Hour video because it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of really good conversation in it. Uh, so you know, if you're bored and uh, need to waste an hour or whatever it was, <laughs> however long it was, uh, it was very entertaining. There was some cool conversation. Uh, so yeah, um, do that. Otherwise, uh, hope you're liking us, following us on all the social medias. Uh, give us some reviews. Give us some stores. And uh, Joe, I'm just gonna look at you for a moment. <laughs> Like, this is like weird eye contact. <laughs> I'm gonna reach out. I miss you. I miss having you in the in the studio. I miss Once being that... Nick Joshua. I yeah, miss all yeah. of you. Yeah. Delia, I'm yeah. used to missing her because she lives so far away. Oh, um, so far. And Sorry. and okay. you know, to be quite honest, we have um MFK Ultimate is to thank for me learning the platform in which we're able to do this like remote recording. Um, so, you know, I thank Boom. Delia for allowing, for allowing me that opportunity. Um, but, but yeah, Anytime. I mean, I miss, I'm, I, I, I think it just goes to show that, you know, it just goes without saying, I should say that we're, we all miss each other and being in each other's presence and absolutely, you know, being fun and queer and exactly Definitely. in the same together. Room. 
Yeah. Alrighty, well, uh, I hope no uh, scary acid dissolving blobs invade your nightmares anytime soon. <laughs> and Hopefully uh, the jelly snot blobs of the 58 version. Yes, if nothing else. Yes, yes, that's fun. The raspberry jam. Uh, alrighty, well, uh, good night. Good night. Bye. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Listening to the Geekscape Network. 